Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So the uh, next one in our seven-ish series of cyberpunk GURPS and Shadowrun quasi-concepts is a train heist. And a train heist could be anything that's moving. So it could be like a car convoy. It could be a hover tank. It could be high VTOL lift cargo that you're trying to get for the military. It's right. almost anything taking on a you know trying to take over an airplane in in flight or and you're not on the board and you're not on board um again so i would go back to the heist obstacles that we talked about i would mm -hmm. list kind of the obstacles that they have to do the location of where they are and how they can bypass it that said i'd also list like what are they going for yeah is it a person that they're trying to get alive is it a piece of tech is it like medical supplies or is it just put this thing down like this thing is transporting soldiers. Um, new you just need to take it down. And you just need to take it down or new, uh, new tech. Depending and on cares. what they need might change. If they need that person alive, they need to make sure that everybody on board could survive it. Right. This is maybe one of those things where it's like you can't just, oh, I got to go take a person off of a plane. That means I can't just blow up the plane in flight. That would be too easy. I now need to somehow board a plane that I can't get onto in flight. Or land the plane safely. Yep. And then take the person I want, you know, those sorts of conversations. So again, um, the cool part about the transportation aspect of this is it, it allows you to either sit and wait or create a, an area where you want to create your choke point to take this thing on. Mm -hmm. um, you can, for reference, if you need like kind of media references, you could actually look at um, the concept of uh them stealing the loot from Ed Norton's character in the Italian job because there's three cars running. Um, and then they kind of realized that one of the cars was overly weighed down where the other cars were not overly weighed down. So they knew exactly which car it was. You could have a situation like that where you're maybe trying to kill or uh, kidnap a high valued target, um, like uh, maybe the vice president of one of the corps. And he always travels with a, a team of five different cars that all look the exact same all have the exact same amount of crew with them all have the exact same lead cars and they're all in the single distinguishable from each other and at one point they all just kind of separate mm -hmm. and it's kind of a shell game at that point right you don't know exactly who's where or with what but you need to give your players some ability to maybe figure it out yeah like did they find like maybe this v, maybe this vice president's heavy maybe he's like a 250 pound 300 pound guy and um, maybe in that world, like that's, you know, in your future world, the food supply is not in that great of quality. So like this guy is really rich and he's able to eat and be fat. And in su as such, they can't find, quote unquote, duplicates in the weight class. They can find fat guys. You know, they can find guys in a fat suit that make it look like him. But if you actually look very carefully with technology, you realize that the struts are, you know, like the car's a li little bit way down, like, you know, a millimeter or two more than it should be. Mm -hmm. You got to have some way for them to figure it out. Or maybe they, you know, maybe you have a guy on the inside and there's some way that they can do that. Or maybe, um, you know, you were able to tag the cars from, uh, with some sort of cool paint that only your guys can see and use. Um, that the other, the, like the corpse aren't looking for like an infrared or an ultraviolet type of paint that can only be seen underneath that kind of light, or it could be totally cool nano technology that's embedded in that you've basically spread on top of the roofs of the cars. 
And, you know, as they're doing biometric scans, they realize which one the one is, and it starts creating an X on top of the car so you can't lose them. But then that requires you need to figure out how you get through, like, the lead car, the following behind car, the three guards in the bulletproof, rocket-proof uh, passenger, you know, like, this, mm-hmm. this guy's car is decked out. You know, it can't just be taken off the road. There's not a lot of arms you have that could punch through that. And when you do, it's going to be loud and it's going to cause a lot of suspicion. Right. So how do you do it? And that's the cool part about what I kind of like about the cyberpunk shadow run type of games is that you can like right now you're um, okay. In a nice way, I guess you're training a bunch of criminals, but the nice thing is most of us are just absolute nerds that have no backbone to go do that stuff anyway. So uh, <laughs> now I will recommend totally off top subject here. If you haven't heard of the Knights of the Dinner Table, it's this comic that's been running for I think oh almost thirty years now, maybe maybe about that long. It's it's great. It's really good. But there's this one scene where the nerdiest character of them all kind of gets involved with these guys, and he thinks they're playing a cyberpunk type of game. And in reality, he's in with a bunch of criminals because one of the criminals was starting to play the game, and he realized that this guy could really do a lot of planning. So they they spread out actual blueprints, and the guys like detailed blueprints. The guys like your DM is amazing. Like these are these are great, and he starts to figure out how to actually do a bank heist, not realizing that it's an actual actual bank bank heist. heist. So anyway, but the fun part about all this is that you can you know you got to figure out or let your players give the problems to your players and let them figure it out. Now, one thing I will suggest doing, and this is kind of a cool tidbit, it comes from Kenneth Height of. He's of Pelgrane Press. He used to work with Gary Gygax um, with D&D. What I want to tell you, though, is he has a a really cool podcast. I've recommended it before. I'll I'll keep recommending it. It's called Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff. And one of the things that Kenneth Height did is the thing that he wasn't happy about when he was playing Shadowrun, which is basically like cyberpunk, um, is that he wanted some things just to be kind of doable. So when he created his game, Knights Black Agents, which we also covered in a previous episode, he made it so that if you had one dot, which is his scenario, you only had three dots total. But if you had one dot, you could, you were kind of a successful agent on it. My suggestion to you is as you're playing around with these, think about at what level of dots would somebody be able to auto-succeed on the thing that you're asking them to do. So if they have like three dots or three skills or whatever it is, um, or in, if you're playing with a GURP system, it's not a set of dots. It's going to be a number. So let's say that number. they have a 15, right? So if they roll lower than a 15, like they're going to succeed on something. And obviously 17 and 18 are the botch level where you, you critically fail. The thing is, if they have a 15, that means they're one of the best people in the world at this job, right? And obviously, yeah, you could crank it higher. I mean, you can have a 21 in it where, you know, it's like you're not failing. You're getting successes even on a 16, but you're still failing if you roll a fail. But my point is there's a certain point where you could just look at it just to make things quick, especially in the middle of a heist and things of that nature, and realize, you know, if they have 15 skill level in this, they're going to be able to auto do it. Make them roll to see. And if they botch, then yes, there's a problem. But I mean, for the most part, if they're not botching, then you're really looking at how cool did they do the thing that they were or supposed how quick. to do? How fast, right? That's really the question. So that guy, your your guy as a hacker, has the skill to get into the mainframe. But if he barely succeeded, it takes a lot more time. And if you guys are on a time crunch, how does that screw them? 
Yes. And talking about time crunches here is probably a good idea, specifically because you're going to have a time crunch on the heist episode we talked about last, last yesterday, but you're going to have even more of a time crunch if the thing is moving because eventually it's going to get to its destination or it's going to get to a point where mm-hmm. like, you're going to have a window of opportunity. This is always the best part about a moving target, like a train, for instance. It's like between this bridge and this bridge, it's vulnerable because there's nothing around it. Yep. And this is where we have to hit it. And we have four minutes to do it. Also, if you look at any heist movie, Ocean's, level, Ocean's Eleven is a great example. How many small hiccups do they have to deal with? Yep. Oh, yeah. The batteries. And, how, and, and the batteries, <laughs> the guy getting his cloth bandage stuck into the bank vault before they blew the door. Exactly. How do you deal with that? Yeah. As the group of you, you're, you have a thing of like, maybe that car should have peeled away here, but it stays. Yeah, exactly. That's the fun part as a DM. If they got everything figured out, change it up. Like, where it's like, oh, well, for whatever reason, they, they couldn't, he couldn't get off. Or maybe the driver was absent-minded and he just kept going through. But the nice thing is you don't have to narrate it because it's not a movie where you're seeing both sides of the issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the bank vault scene is a great one where the guy is stuck and he can't get his hand out. and But at the same time, the batteries fail, which saves his life, really. Mm-hmm. And so, but from either one's perspective... The other one's just waiting for the other, the other one to, one. like, what's going on. But in reality, they're both having severe problems. problems. <laughs> um, but that said, what I want to talk to you about is really quick, and then we'll cut this episode off. But And I've talked about this before with timelines and things, but I want to talk to you about it here specifically is if you say they have four minutes, how are you going to track that? I'm going to tell you to track it by rounds because it's not going to be four minutes on a clock ever in, yeah. in an RPG. But track it by rounds because that will allow you to give them the four minutes that they need to do what they yeah, need so to do. Yeah, so D&D, every round six seconds. So six, <laughs> so a minute is ten rounds. So if it's four minutes, you have 40 rounds. That would be D&D. But each system is a little different. You each can, system might have a different Literally, thing, you can just Google just, how long is a round in Saturn, how long is a round in Cyberpunk, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just a pro tip that will allow you to not feel like you're creating this like if you put a timer on the on the table that says four minutes, it's not going to be four real minutes. It's going to be like a really bad Star Trek episode where they say they have thirty seconds and argue for forty five. You're blowing around. Yeah, you are. And in reality, around technically, if it's D and D, is only six seconds. But it took you four minutes to blow through that one round. So in real time, so I'm telling you, if you count it by rounds, you can build suspense because they're going to see that round ticker clock down every single time. And I will tell you this: if you're thinking about doing a lot of these games. You may want to make a bigger round uh, tick down, um, which, you know, some people will make and things of that nature. But you could have some like even like poster board <laughs> of like, you know, hey, you have 40 rounds and like these big numbers behind you. And then you kind of get up and move one of them down like, oh, you got 39 rounds now where you can do some really fun stuff where it's like we're losing time. Mm-hmm. And now each hiccup feels worse because you're losing time. And and even if you made it so they only need 15 rounds to get through this, it's still building suspense. Suspense. They're, they're going to still think, we barely got through that when they have about half of the rounds left. And I would argue, if you think about how it would go with no issues, I would at least double that time, maybe mm-hmm. even triple it, in case, unless you want to potentially kill a party member off, which I'm, I only like doing for dramatic effect and and with player's permission. But again... Or if it's at the end of a campaign, I have no problem doing a total party kill. But that should be done sparingly. But it needs to move the plot along. It definitely needs to move the plot along. So if his actions allowed them to get through, 
it makes sense. Yep. Well, speaking of moving the plot along, we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to SkullRPG.com.